0: Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of the AACS Today podcast. AACS Today is the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. So good to have you joining us today for this episode. We're tackling some important pieces of legislation that are going to have an an impact in our schools. And I am delighted to have the AACS Legislative Director, Jamison Coppola, uh, with us today on the podcast. Jamison, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Matt, I'm doing well. Good to be with you on the podcast.
0: Well, we are looking forward to having you and uh of course we want to dive in. We've got some burning questions that we want to get answered about how is this legislation gonna impact our schools. But before we do that, uh Jameson, tell us uh just a little bit about the work that AACS does for our schools in Washington DC.
1: Well, madam, privileged to carry on a tradition uh that started when AACS began. One of the things I appreciate about our association is that the, the men that have gone before us and women that have gone before us as well as our current leadership recognizes that so much of what happens politically impacts our schools. And so over 40 years ago now, um, AACS, uh, uh, grouped schools and state associations together. And one of the primary reasons was, uh, to provide somebody that could provide advocacy in Washington, D.C., um, so that our interests, and, and by the way, our interests are primarily educational and religious freedom, um, so that those interests could be communicated to those people who make our laws and then write uh, regulations. So that's what our office does. There are three of us, myself, Maureen Vandenberg, and Hannah uh, de DeBruyler, who uh, all f- work as a team here in D.C. tracking legislation, providing feedback to our schools, and then making sure that the people that write legislation and regulation understand how uh, those particular pieces will affect um, our constituency, which are our private Christian schools.
0: And Jameson, your team there in DC does fabulous work. And many times it's behind the scenes. Uh, We hear many stories of conversations that have been had uh, that impact pieces of legislation that we see. So the work that you all are doing is good work. It's, a lot of times it's not out there for everyone to know all the details, but we want you to know that we appreciate the work that you're doing because I think our legislative office is one of the, if not the most important things that we're doing as an association. So keep up the good work with you and your team there.
1: Thanks, Matt. Uh, one of the things that I heard when I first got here, and I've heard it repeated Um, In fact, I think Newt Gingrich said this in a meeting shortly after I arrived. He said there are two types of people in Washington, D.C., those that are here to uh, be someone big or those that are here to do something big. Hmm. Uh, When you talk to legislative uh, staff and other people that we work with, they begin to identify those people that are just looking for press release headline. I met with so-and-so mm. I had this meeting. I, you know, I, I, I communicated this message and sometimes uh, the staff members will uh, become a little suspicious of people that are just looking to have a meeting to make a headline. Right. Um, and so we try not to do that. We try to take our work seriously, um give, confidentiality where it's due. So we don't brag a lot about the meetings we go to, but I want to assure our schools that we are active in these negotiations. Oh, by the way, I I added a third category to that. Um, People say you're in D.C. to be someone big or to do something big. And obviously the implication in that statement is you should be here to at least do something big, not to be big yourself. But I think as Christians, we come here following someone big Mm. And, uh, this is definitely a calling it's an important good. aspect of what our association does and you have a team of dedicated people here uh, not always bragging about what we're doing but active day in and day out communicating who we are to the people that make our our laws
0: that's good and it's so important so speaking of laws let's dive in because uh, our schools want to know Jamison. How do these bills that are being passed impact our schools? And really, uh, there's three bills. And Jamison, you were describing to me earlier that you, you're really thinking of these bills in three phases. So tell us, give us kind of an overview of of these bills and what we've got going on.
1: Yeah, quickly. Phase one was the first um, uh, COVID response bill that was passed, and it was primarily to um, jumpstart government so that they could respond to the crisis. So it was. Uh, money funding the uh, effort to fight the pandemic through uh, the executive uh, agencies. Uh, phase two was a provision that was intended to get some amount of financial protection for employees um, that were affected by the COVID crisis. And so I think you and I will probably talk most about that today because so far that will have the biggest impact on our schools. And then phase three, uh, you've probably heard is the contentious bill that had been being uh, debated and negotiated over the last five or six days. The Senate finally passed it last night. Um, It is uh, going to the House now. And it is a bill that will provide again a mix of Uh, Financial incentives uh, helps to big and small business to states um, with the end result, the end goal being to help the economy recover from the quarantines and the self-isolation orders that have predominated over the last uh, 10 or 15 days.
0: Okay, so that's a great overview of the three bills that are out there. And just to give a little context to our listeners uh, we're recording this podcast on Thursday morning. Uh, it's, uh, just before 1030 a.m. Central time. And so, uh, with, with at least the third bill, the CARES Act, things are fluid. Uh, things are changing. It's been sent to the house, but we, we still at this moment of recording have not heard, uh, the outcome of that. So as you mentioned, Jamison, we're going to spend a good bit of time talking about the second bill, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And um AACS has a great white paper that they've done on this, and we will be sure to link that white paper in the show notes. If you have not seen that yet, please look at that. But Jameson, there's two provisions in the bill. Provision one deals with emergency paid sick leave. So tell us what we need to know about that.
1: Yeah. So the first part of the, the bill deals with, as you said, emergency paid sick leave. Um, you know, uh, it applies to any organization with fewer than 500 employees. Uh, which means that our organizations would be included in that and, and, and for-profit and non-profit businesses. So again, our schools are part of that. And it was designed to get immediate help to uh, people that could not work uh, due to the COVID crisis. So there's a couple of categories of people that would qualify for 10 days of paid sick leave. Uh, and by the way, that sick leave The the federal government is reimbursing that to the ministries, to the organizations that pay it out to employees. So it really was a a safety net type rule that is asking um, employers to provide a paid sick leave benefit to employees if they meet certain conditions, like if they're subject to a federal, state or local quarantine or isolation order due to COVID-19. Um, If an employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine, if they're experiencing symptoms or seeking a medical diagnosis and need to be off work for that, if they're caring for someone who is the subject of an order, if their children are not in school due to uh, an order for isolation or self-quarantine, or the individual themselves is Uh, under that self-quarantine or self-isolating due to caring for family members or others. And so there are 10 days of sick leave available for uh, someone to claim and for an employer to be reimbursed if they meet any of those uh, criteria. And so there's different levels for full-time employee benefits and and part-time employee benefits. I won't go into all the details. The uh, white paper does that. But that's the first category of leave, 10 days of paid sick leave for employees who are um, subject to those self-quarantine orders.
0: Yeah, and <clears throat> those, those provisions, those qualifications for the paid sick leave that you mentioned, those are going to going to be touching employees in our schools. And so this is why our schools need to make sure they're aware of these new guidelines because they, they will be impacted by these things most likely. Correct, Jamison?
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. The, the messages that we're hearing back in our office and in our national office in Chattanooga are that this is having a very serious impact on our schools. Matt, you probably saw this morning that uh, I think there were uh, the highest weekly total of unemployment claims this past week. Uh, due to the COVID crisis. And so our schools are not immune from the greater educational and economic worlds that we live in. And certainly this um, this crisis is impacting our ministries.
0: For sure. Okay, let's talk a little bit then about the second provision, which is emergency, family, and medical leave. Uh, why don't you give us some of the high points related to that, Jamison?
1: Yeah, so there is a federal law called uh, FMLA, Family, and Medical Leave Act, and it applies to any employer that has fifty or more employees. Generally speaking, what this uh, Phase Two of the COVID Response Act did um, was it applied the FMLA uh, law to any employer of fewer than five hundred individuals. So that means it it does away with that that under fifty threshold. And it makes every employer now subject to this law, but only for the purposes of COVID. So it doesn't broaden the law out for all medical leave. It just um, applies it to the COVID crisis. So uh, many of our ministries have had questions about, well, I'm under 50 employees, so do I still have to comply? Yes, you do. For the purposes of COVID, this is a temporary measure that takes an existing structure, FMLA, and applies it to the COVID response. And so um, it, it, it again, is a uh, paid benefit after the first 10 days. So that first 10 days, the employee would take the 10 days of, of leave that the first part of the bill covers. And then after 10 days, if the employee still needs time And meets those criteria that we mentioned in the first segment, then they can take up to twelve weeks of paid leave in order to respond to the COVID crisis. And again, the our ministries, our schools, as employers, will pay that benefit out to their employees, but then they will receive a tax credit back for their payment. In fact, uh, we believe that they can deduct that from their quarterly withholding statement and their quarterly payments to the IRS. We're still waiting on, on some specifics for that, some guidelines from the IRS to come down, but, um, the broad strokes are up to 12 weeks of family and medical leave can be taken after the initial 10 days. And that can be a paid benefit. And it does apply to all of our schools. Um, I think that's probably the broad strokes of it, Matt. There's a couple of little nuance things. Okay. Um if you'd like me to mention those as well.
0: Yeah, why don't you dive in? Because one thing, Jameson, I appreciate about the way you explain things, is you're able to take kind of some of these complex things and, and make them make them simple for those of us who aren't in the weeds day to day. So give us give us a couple of those nuances.
1: Well, there is a provision whereby an employer of fewer than 50 employees, remember that 50 is kind of a magic number when it comes to FMLA. But since this uh, COVID FMLA order applies to all employers of 500 and fewer, they did allow this provision that if you have fewer than 50 employees and uh, complying with this order would cause you to have to close your doors then you can request an exemption from it. Um, people are mixed about it. There are a lot of people that say, well, why would you even want an exemption? This is the federal government offering to reimburse an employer to help employees make it through a really difficult economic time. Mm-hmm. Um, th- the answers that I have heard from some people are, um, you know, they, they don't want to accept uh, the funding from the government. They want an exception to it. Mm. Um, Some folks have said that the administrative or the paperwork burden will be excessive. Uh, Other people have said that they don't want it to start a precedent. So there are some people and maybe some of our ministries would be in that category that say, you know, we don't want to participate in this program. There will be a path where an exemption can be requested. Uh, We don't know the details of that yet, but we certainly will get that out to our folks as soon as we uh, see the, the guidelines uh, from the Department of Labor and the IRS on it.
0: Okay, and is there another nuance that you wanted to mention, or, or was that the just the one thing?
1: I think there's one other small one. I think um, if if you have fewer than um, twenty five employees, so again, another one of those you know federally mandated thresholds that sometimes can be confusing. But if you have fewer than twenty five employees um you're not required a, a FMLA requires employers to return a person to either their position or a position of si- a similar position within the organization when they return after the 12 week leave right it, it's job protected status leave which means that uh, an organization can't use it as a pretext to demote someone or to lay them off or to let them go so they have to be returned to that position um, but organizations with fewer than 25 employees are not required to have that job protected status if it would cause them, again, undue financial hardship. And so that's another kind of nuanced point, um, one of those um, obscurities, since I'm guessing at least several of our organizations would have 25 or fewer employees, that provision may apply to them as well.
0: Okay. Well, good. that. That kind of covers for now what we know about this phase phase two of the legislation. And again, resources are available for you on the AACS website under the COVID-19 resources tab. We'll continue to post things there. And of course, we'll continue to communicate with you via email and other channels about changes and about things that we learn about this legislation. Now, Jameson, the phase three, the CARES Act, bill number three, It did pass the Senate, as we mentioned already this morning, by a vote of 96 to 0, which Mm -hmm. is very interesting. We don't see that often in the Senate, at least not lately. Um, I know we don't know a whole lot right now about what all is in the legislation and and what the House is going to do with it. Um, But I do know there's a couple things in there that schools may be wondering. And so we're kind of waiting to see how things play out with this bill. Um, I think there was two things in particular that we had discussed churches and schools being eligible for disaster relief and small business loans. That will be in this phase three piece, correct?
1: Yeah, I think that that is going to be some of the most significant uh, parts of this, um, that uh, churches and schools may be able to request assistance through the small business loan program. And there are provisions currently that say that financially healthy businesses that just need some help to get through this time and meet the obligations of the bill can have those loans forgiven. Uh, now one of our greatest concerns in something like that, Matt, is to make sure that any ministry that would participate in that would not then be considered a recipient of government funds. Correct. Yeah. In our line of work, that's the, that's the phrase that currently in our law signifies that then you have to come under um, many of the regulations that come along with government money that violate our philosophical and religious beliefs. And so what we're working for right now is to make sure that any of these provisions uh, in the bill, if one of our churches or schools should take part in that, that they would not be considered a recipient of government funds.
0: Yeah. And that is such an important piece and again, that kind of underscores the importance of the work that we're doing uh, in, in Washington, D.C. And, and quite honestly, our ministries, many of them may decide not to participate in something like that. And that, that's their decision. Um, we're certainly not uh, recommending or not recommending that. We're just making sure we're part of those conversations and then letting those ministries decide for themselves. Did, did I say that correctly?
1: Yeah, I think the voluntary aspect of any of these things is really important thing to maintain, and so we want these programs to be able to be voluntarily entered into um, for ministries that um, choose to do that while protecting those ministries' religious and educational freedoms.
0: Okay. Well, is there anything else about the CARES Act? Again, I know there's a lot of unknowns, and there will be until it actually passes. President Trump has indicated he will sign it if it passes the House. But is there anything else you want to share about this phase three piece?
1: Yeah, it it gives significant amount of money to the states to bolster unemployment. Um, Now, we work on the federal level on these, but I live in Virginia. So as a resident of Virginia, I take part in what's happening politically here. And on a faith leaders call earlier this week, my state, Virginia, was was telling faith leaders to have their employees, if they were unemployed, sign up at the unemployment office, even though in Virginia, like many other states, religious employers and not, uh, other nonprofits are not required to take part in the unemployment insurance program that the state provides. And so there's a lot of uncertainty about how this will all work out, um, I would encourage our state leaders in any school within a state to find out how your state is going to avail itself of the federal dollars that um, are being allocated towards unemployment programs. Um, I have seen, uh, I I think they're going to provide something like 50%. So it's not going to be a full funding of the unemployment programs in states. It's going to be a a 50% benefit what the state does with that money and how they uh, distribute it. I think you need to ask uh, questions about that. I've heard anecdotally and I haven't confirmed this yet. And of course, in a situation like this, a lot of information is in flux, but I've heard anecdotally in one state that potentially any employee that applies for unemployment, um, um, uh, and their employer is not part of the program that the state will then bill at a at a higher rate <laughs> than right. just the dollar value of what the benefit was back to the employers and so you just want to get in and find out what is going to happen for unemployment benefits in your state again that 's going to be a huge deal for those ministries that are not able to maintain operations and have to let um, employees go. And so that will be an important part of the bill, how they handle unemployment. There's also uh, equitable services. Many of our ministries um, have not historically taken part in um, uh, funding in the education world that allows our schools to provide some um, special, unique services like teacher training and students with learning difficulties uh, federal funds available through the local education authority um, in order to provide those services there is going to be an equitable service portion of this cares act bill that our schools should be able to participate in as nonprofit schools and then of course there are um, many other things uh, some of it will be direct um, direct checks sent from the federal <laughs> government to individuals if you're if you're filing a, a tax form, I think, um, then you will receive a direct reimbursement of either twelve hundred for an individual, I think, or twenty four hundred for married filing jointly, if I recall correctly. And so, a lot of significant uh, benefits to um, to come from this Phase Three Cares Act.
0: Mm. We are living in some interesting t- interesting times. I've heard people refer to this. As unprecedented, Um, there's many adjectives I'm sure we could think of, but uh, it's it's interesting where we're at and some of the discussions we're having and the numbers that we're talking about as related to some of these uh, pieces of legislation. It just it boggles the mind, uh, quite honestly. But uh, Jameson, again, you all are doing a great job in D.C. I feel like we we took uh, a good amount of time here to kind of overview to dive into the parts that are really going to impact our schools with the information that we have today. Again, we'll keep our schools updated as things change and as we learn more, but we wanted to get this podcast episode together because schools are asking questions about these pieces of legislation. Jamison, is there anything else you'd want to add? Did we miss anything um, or any, any other pieces of information you'd like to share?
1: No, it's just a privilege to do what we do. Um, we, we are honored to be able to represent our school's interests here in our country. We, we love our country. We pray for it. We are praying for it. Um, we are trying to be good representatives of our ministries here in the political world that we live in. I would point people to the white paper that we have, and that will be updated as we have reliable um, information to update it with. Uh, We are looking for the regulations and guidelines to come from the Department of Labor and the IRS. We anticipate those will be available before the effective date of that legislation, which was April 2nd. And so we will update all of those things on the website. So keep uh, checking back there um, for updates. And then as soon as we have reliable, timely information on the House vote on phase three, the CARES Act, we will uh, make uh, information available to our state leaders and to our schools about how that piece of legislation will affect our ministries. So we're actively working, keeping you in mind in our prayers. And so you pray for us as we work to represent you well here in Washington, D.C.
0: And that link for the website, again, is aacs.org backslash covid dash, just a small dash, 19, aacs.org backslash COVID-19. And we will include that link in the show notes so people can click on that and find all the resources there, including the white paper that Jameson just referenced. Well, Jameson, thank you for taking some time uh, from your schedule to join us. Uh, Today, I'm sure that uh, you will be Uh, joining us on the podcast on a very regular basis to keep us updated on the the good work that you're doing there. So Jameson, have a great day. And to all of our schools out there, just again, know that we're here for you. If there's a question that came up uh, out of this podcast, would you please reach out to us? Stay in touch, of course, with your state leaders, because some of these things are being implemented on the state level. But reach out to us. Just know that we're here for you. We are praying for you. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number two of AACS Today.